Wayfeather Media presents Claire Voyaging. Hi, Claire Voyagers. Hello, friends. Hello, Frank. Hello, Lauren. Well, it's another beautiful day in Southern California. Is it raining? Is it sunny? We'll never know. Is it half and half? Half and half forever. Yeah. Well, we've got a great episode today. And first, Frank, I have an update for you. Oh. We have another new supporter on Buy Me a Coffee. And I'm going to let you read this. <laughs> I'm going to let you read the name. Because I, this is <laughs> this is just funny. I think um, I think I like where all of this is going, where... <laughs> <laughs> these supporters this is not someone's name i'm sorry are you I'm gonna, gonna show me or yeah it's right here okay <laughs> <laughs> i i a heartfelt thank you to fardums McAllister <laughs> for buying us a coffee oh man <laughs> this is i mean it's so i feel like this is on brand for our listeners to to keep doing this yeah. and I just thanking Fardums McAllister for supporting us, buying us a coffee. If you'd like to do the same, we'll give you a shout out. <laughs> Go to buymeacoffee.com slash clairvoyaging. Thank you again. And also, you know, I say this probably every time, but if you give us a Spotify review or Apple podcast, wherever you're getting your podcasts, like it, review it, share it. That's how our podcast grows. This has been such a fun journey and we want to keep it going. So your support helps us continue. So Frank, what's our topic today? We're doing another Dream Paths episode, Lauren. We sure are. And this time we're going to hear from a couple of people that you might be a little familiar with. It's me. And me. But. But. But we do have one listener submitted story. It's so cool. I don't want to call it the best because I don't want to make our story sound bad, but it's really good. Um, hers is really cool. It's very cool. What's your name again? Izzy. Izzy. We keep saying this too. Send us your stories. If you have a dream, visitation, or a sign that you've experienced from someone from the other side, a story about how you followed your intuition. Do you have a psychic kid that you're trying to help? Yeah. Are you a parent of a psychic kid? This is it's kind of a paranormal podcast, obviously, but except for the context is nice. The <laughs> so please enjoy the next installment of Dream Paths. Oh, that was so gross. That was we made direct eye contact with each other <laughs> when we did that, too. I know that in past episodes, I've mentioned that I've had some experiences with astral projection, but I have two examples of dream visitations where I, there's no doubt in my mind that they were real and they have nothing to do with astral projection. Chronologically, I'm going to start with the second one first because it's a little bit shorter. So my grandfather on my dad's side, Marciano, passed away suddenly in August uh, 2013. He was never in fantastic health, but he also wasn't sick. So it, it came as a shock, but it, it's always shocking when somebody feels fine and falls asleep and never wakes up. A few years later, a, a slew of that senior generation on my dad's side all, all passed away around the same time in pretty quick succession. It was like within a year or two. It was probably like five family members. 
I remember my uncle Lewis saying, he's like, man, man, they're dropping like flies. And they were, it was, it was concerning. One of these family members was Vicente Capa, my grandfather's in-law, good friend, and fierce domino rival. Now, while Vicente was always a presence in the background of my life, I hadn't seen him for over a decade when he died, so I was sad to hear the news of his passing, but we we weren't exactly close, which is why what happened next is so interesting to me. A few nights after he died, I had a dream. I'm in a small crowd of people, and I kind of pushed my way to the front. I look around and I notice I'm in the backyard of a classic San Fernando Valley house. There's a covered patio with a corrugated plastic roofing, and underneath it, an intense domino game is being played. I remember there were four players, but only two of the players I could recognize, or the other ones were just like weren't in focus or something. The two that were in focus were my grandfather Marciano and Vicente. Both of them appeared like 40 years younger than they were when they passed away. Now, I can't say they looked happy, but these are Cuban men in their prime playing dominoes with an audience of friends and family. Everyone's heard of a poker face, but this is stoic Cuban domino face, and it's equal parts non-expressive and absolutely full of intense energy. As quickly as this vision came to me, it went away. No words were exchanged, but this image was worth a thousand words. Everything was exactly as it should be. Everyone's good. I got to share that with my dad, and I know he told some family members, and I'm sure it brought a little bit of comfort to people. It was pretty cool. My second story is maybe a little bit more intense, but ultimately there's still a happy ending. My grandmother on my mom's side, Lori, was a big part of my childhood. Lori was a strong, selfless woman. If you've ever known anyone who's passed away from Alzheimer's or dementia, it's incredibly difficult, and the last few months of their lives are painful for them and everyone around them. The last conversation I had with my grandmother was was terrible, honestly. But even in that moment, I knew that she wasn't herself. I'll never forget elements of that conversation, but at the same time, I know that's, that, that's not who she was. She was sad, scared, angry, and it was clear that her past traumas were rising to the surface. She, she was sick, and there was nothing we can do to calm her or make her feel better. That conversation was hard for me, but I'm certain it was scarring for my mom, who had to have many conversations like that with her. My mom was very involved in my grandmother's caretaking towards the end. And after a long decline from dementia, my grandma eventually passed away. Months later, my mom called me to tell me she had a dream and my grandma was in it. But my mom was a little upset. In her dream, my grandma was getting her hair done at a fancy salon, which I assume was something of my grandmother's happy place. I don't know of a single mother who doesn't need a spa day. Something wasn't quite right, though. My mom said that my grandma was angry and yelling at her. I immediately rejected the idea that my grandma somehow crossed over and was still angry about, I don't know, I don't, we don't even know what it was. After talking about it a little bit, my mom and I agreed that an element of the dream seemed like a visitation, but 
some of my mom's own grief might have snuck in there and, and kind of changed things. Grief has a way of showing up when you really don't want it to. Let me preface this next part. Um, I dream in chaos. My daytime ADD translates to the manner in which I dream. I almost never remember anything because there's usually too much happening at any given point, which makes this next part even more compelling to me. About a week passes and I've forgotten about my mom's dream. But one night, I have a dream of my own. My grandma is sitting in a salon chair with rollers in her hair and one of those like hair dryer helmet things over her head. My initial reaction in the dream was to be like, whoa, grandma, awesome. Like, how are you? What's up? I miss you. But I was caught off guard immediately by the dire look in her face. I kind of focused into what she was saying and she was looking directly at me and she kept repeating, I'm not mad at your mom. I'm not mad at your mom. I attribute her intensity to the fact that I'm pretty sure my ADD brain isn't any spirit's first choice to relay a message, but you have to work with what you're given, and my grandma only had access to the tool that is my chaotic melon. I imagine it was like trying to give someone directions over the phone when you have bad reception or, or trying to tell a story to somebody through a wall, the wall being my candy-coated noodle. I woke up startled. It was extremely lucid, but very short. She was speaking directly to me, without any context whatsoever. It was just a sudden dream, a sudden message, and dunzo. So after about a minute of being awake, I remembered my mom's dream, and I knew that I actually had a message to relay now. A message that I was happy to relay. I remember my mom being shocked that I essentially got to watch an edited version of her dream, but I also remember that she seemed pretty relieved. I was very happy to provide that comfort. Most of my dream visitations have involved my late brother Ian, but a few of my dreams have included friends of mine that have passed away. One particular friend was Russ. Russ was a coworker who sat at a desk kitty corner to mine. He was super funny, incredibly smart, and always helpful even when I was being annoying and asking for too much help with a technical question. We worked in tax software, and tech support was not really my forte, but it was Russ's, so the poor guy got bombarded. I could tell when Russ was getting irritated by too many questions from too many people, and he did not feel like answering mine. But he would. Every time. He was just that kind. He would start talking to me in clipped sentences with his back turned and then slowly soften and turn around to give me his full and insanely patient attention. Russ was just a caring person. A month or two after Russ died, he visited me in a dream. He was showing me photos and images of his mom. I was flipping through photo albums and seeing image after image. It was almost frantic. I woke up and told Frank, Russ was in my dream, and I feel like I was at a memorial or something for his mom. Russ's mom had become acquaintances with our office manager after Russ's memorial, but I had only met her once. I didn't know what to make of the dream, and I moved on. One week later, 
our office manager forwarded an email from Russ's mom, who had recently undergone a life-threatening emergency kidney transplant. She had been in the hospital and she had almost died. I gasped when I read the email and I said out loud to my coworker, Jake, who was one of Russ's best friends, I had a dream about Russ's mom last week. To which Jake replied, Ugh, what the hell, you weirdo? It was a very strange but cool realization. Russ had visited me to tell me something about his mom. Maybe just reaching out to let someone know that he was with her. I ended up emailing his mom about it. And she said, Well, you've had a visitation from Russ. Isn't that amazing? It really was. And it was the only time I was ever visited by my pal Russ. My other story is about my brother Ian. Our listeners probably know by now, Ian died almost 20 years ago, in 2004, when he was 26. If you haven't heard my travelogue episode about Ian, listen to episode 6, The Corn and the Orb, to hear some fun stories about signs that he's sent me over the years. I've had several dreams about Ian, especially in the first few years after he died. He was never dead in my dreams. He had simply been away for a long time. I'd hug him really tight, and he would say that he can't stay long. He has to go see other people. Always that same theme, just different setting. Except this one dream. This one dream was a visitation from Ian's spirit, and it was the most symbolic dream I've ever had. I was in a house, and I suddenly just knew that Ian's spirit was in the room, and he wanted to show me something. I knew that in order for me to come with him, I had to hold on to a soda can. I don't know why it was a soda can, but Ian did love root beer and 7-Up. The can of soda was on a table, so I picked it up. Suddenly, I was yanked forward and being led through the house by a soda can, pulled by my brother's enthusiastic spirit. I went around a corner and into another room. My ex-boyfriend, we'll call him Sam, was sleeping on the floor in that room, and I had to step over him to get to whatever Ian wanted to show me. I stepped over Sam's sleeping body and got to a sliding glass door. I needed to open the sliding glass door to get outside to see whatever Ian wanted to show me. But the door was locked and I couldn't open it. As I tried to open it, I was getting frustrated and Sam woke up and asked me what was going on. I tried to explain, but I couldn't speak. Side note, sometimes when I have an intense dream, I make this awful sound in real life. Frank hates it so much. It's pretty creepy. It's usually when I'm trying to speak or yell in a dream. And in real life, it sounds like, I've woken myself up from that sound before, so I know exactly what it sounds like, and I don't like it either. Anyway, in this part of my dream, since I was trying to speak and this moment was intense, I was making the terrible sound in real life. Sam, my ex-boyfriend, in real life woke me up. For a few moments, I couldn't speak like I was experiencing sleep paralysis. I laid there, shivering from nerves or adrenaline, and I felt like Ian was still in my room. I felt his presence next to my bed. 
I so desperately wanted to go back into that dream so that Ian could show me the thing that he needed to show me. But I couldn't. I couldn't get back there. It wasn't until years later, several years after I had broken up with Sam, that I realized what Ian was trying to show me. My relationship was what Ian was trying to show me. Sam was a very nice guy, just not my guy. I wasn't in the right relationship, and deep down I knew it, and the symbolism was all within that dream. I had to step over Sam to get to what was just outside a locked glass door. I think Ian was showing me that everything I truly wanted was on the outside of this room. My future was on the other side of that door, and I couldn't get to it without talking to Sam. And when Sam asked what I wanted, I couldn't speak. It's been at least 15 years since I had that dream, and it still provides me with an empowering takeaway, something I've applied to other aspects of my life. If it's time to move on from an outdated situation, I can unlock the door and walk out. This was the most intense dream visitation I've ever had, and I'll never forget the feeling of being pulled around by my brother's spirit via a soda can. I was four when my mother passed away. My brother was quite a few years older than me and had been visiting my mother's uh, grave in the middle of the night. On the way back, his tires in his truck popped and he rolled his truck five times. And from that accident, you know, he had several spine injuries and he became a paraplegic. My dad spent, oh gosh, at least a year or more just rehabilitating him. I mean, literally, you know, teaching him how to speak again and how to write and, and what his name was and who we were. And it was like he was a child again. You know, and so my dad spent a long time with him and rehabilitating him, but they were very close. My father was quite a character, just humor wise, is how he, you know, dealt with tragedies in his life. And um, he was always just a clown. You know, he was just always joking around and clowning around. And uh, that was just who he was. We were very close and we, we, we're just connected. My father and I were just really connected. When we were all in Santa Fe, when he passed away, you know, we were all talking about what we would, what he should be buried in. I said, I have a suit of his. It was a Western suit that I saved in my closet for years. That's what he was buried in. I always wanted him to, to, you know, visit me, <laughs> whether it was in a dream or if it was just some kind of sign or, you know, just a feeling of him around me, just something. But I don't dream. Like, well, I don't remember my dreams a lot. I mean, it has to be something really profound, I guess. I don't really ever remember my dreams. And so I feel like he had to do something so, like outrageous to get my attention. 
when I saw him in my dream, like he was wearing this Western suit and it had, it was white with like black blotches and he was dancing, but not like a way that, like in a clown way, like I was laughing hysterically. I didn't really realize that I was dreaming, like this was happening for a few moments. And when I started laughing, because I knew that that was so him, I realized that, I kind of realized what was happening. So that was just kind of to get my attention. It just quickly like shifted to my brother He was laying in a bed, like in a room, and it was a, very peaceful. He was, he had his eyes closed, and I, you know, he was sleeping to me, is what I took it, he was sleeping, and um, very peacefully. The whole thing was very peaceful and very calm, and then all of a sudden, the room just like caught on fire, but still, there was no panic. Like, I felt no panic at all, and no, um, there was nothing that gave me alarm to be panicked, but the room just caught on fire and he was on fire. And then, and then I think that's when I woke up. That was, that was kind of odd. Like, what was that about? I didn't make any sense of it. I didn't even think about calling my brother to see if he was okay. I didn't, it just didn't make any sense to me. Two days after I had the dream, I got a call from my brother's caretaker that he had passed away. He had actually had a heart attack. His wish was to be cremated, which I had no idea. Like, I don't think anybody in our family knew that that was his wish, but she told me that he wanted to be cremated. That dream was actually a visit from my dad. That was him communicating to me, like, this is what's going to happen. But it's not, you know, don't be alarmed, don't panic. He's, we're going to be together again. And he was very happy about it. My father was communicating to me that my brother was going to be that they were going to be reunited, basically, is what the message that I got, that he was so happy and so excited and so at peace that Aaron was going to be coming to join him. My brother was going to be whole again. He was going to be walking again. And that was a dream that my father had and, and talked often about. Like he just dreamed that one day he would see him walk again. It probably was like one of the most beautiful things that have ever happened to me, quite honestly. And I, you know, of course I cherish it. Thank you for listening. Visit www.clairvoyaging.com for show notes, merch, or just to say hi. If you'd like to support our journey, visit www.buymeacoffee.com backslash clairvoyaging. 
This has been a production of Wayfeather Media.